Hey folks, I'm Stephen Altrogi here with Dave Harvey for another episode of Calling Questions in which Dave answers questions that guys might have who are exploring pastoral ministry, exploring the call to ministry. And uh, Dave, the question that, that we're going to talk about today is I have a friend who it seems that he, he desires ministry, he wants to go into ministry, and yet he seems to have a bit of an adversarial relationship with the elders in his church. And and in a sense, that seems like they just don't like him. Um, how would you counsel a guy in that challenging situation? <laughs> yeah, well, that is that is a challenging situation. I mean, elders not liking him is a pretty monumental piece of information. It's kind of like a a, a calling deal killer. Um, and 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 so I guess the you know, the, and this is probably obvious to our listeners, but. He really needs to bottom out what those reservations that they have represent. Is that related to an offense that they have with him or or he has with them? Or is it related to an assessment of his character that they may have? Or is it related to gossip and slander that, that they may have heard about him? I mean, those are the kind of things that can occasionally come into play that need to be talked through and communicated about. Um, you know, one of the ways to look at this is that the the elders are most often the doorway into the pursuit of pastoral ministry. So, you know, if you want to to serve in your church or or in your network or in your denomination, they're the ones who are going to need to confirm it in order for you to move forward. Um, many, if not most, seminaries require some kind of recommendation form or something like that 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 need to be filled out so you know it's kind of one of those things where you need the coach's (laughs) commendation uh to get onto the field so getting my point being getting to the source of their concerns or their reservations is essential to him moving forward but why don't we just for a second imagine that they have an assessment of him that he disagrees with in other words, it's not that they don't like him or he doesn't like them. It's that they don't see his future um, or his calling maybe in the same way that, that he does. And in, in that case, I think, I think first he should assume that what they do see is really, really important to understand. Um, because particularly in the early stages of a guy trying to figure out whether he might be called to ministry – the elder's perspective on his gifts and his character are far more important than his own perspective of his gifts and his character. So he needs to really try to make sure he understands what they're saying. And then I think also um, he should be able to, to understand it in a way that he can repeat it back to his wife or to friends that he wants to involve in this in a way that is is precise without embellishment, uh, you know, just to be able to represent their concerns. And then I think, secondly, he needs to take a season and apply himself to grow in those areas. In other words, you, you never want to find yourself contending for a role that, where you're called to humbly serve people in pastoral ministry without a track record of humble service to those people and humble service to the elders of the church as well. So I think he needs a season where he's doing that in response to what he's heard. Um, 
also, and I guess this would be the third point, if at the end of that season they still don't see in him what what he believes about himself, I think that he should be able to ask them whether they can invite a third party, maybe from the denomination or from the network or whoever. Um, you know, no eldership should should feel or ever feel like they alone hold the keys to a man's future and and no man should ever feel like an eldership can bring just an arbitrary or an uninformed or an unaccountable opinion on his call. Part of the biblical vision, for instance, behind connectionalism is that in the same way that it's not good for a man to be alone, it's not good for elderships to be alone. It's not good for churches to be alone. They, they need this interdependence when disagreement emerges, and sometimes that can be over whether a guy might be called. So, I, you know, that's where this whole thing just needs to be bathed in prayer and fasting and, and men who are, who are partnering together to, to discern wisdom. Um, they're not protecting their turf. They're not trying to hand down a verdict, but they're really trying to help a man move forward, and the man is giving them what they need to, to help him. I, I think that if at the end of the day, he still finds that he disagrees, then I think he has to spend some time searching his his soul with his wife, with trusted friends, and with his pastor on the, the substance of the reservations. Um, do they see them as well? How much weight do those reservations have for him? How much do they have for his his wife, and to just make sure he's treated them seriously. And if that exercise of going through all that doesn't resolve it for him, that he just needs to align himself with the elder's perspective, then, then or, or, or aligning himself with, he, he doesn't get a, you know, a faith in his heart uh, or a rest in his soul to align himself with the elder's then I think he's got to just humbly ask them if they'll help him find another place where he can faithfully serve and and enjoy uh, and some additional assessment. And, uh, you know, here's the tension that a guy lives in and a church lives in. No man should ever feel like he's the sole arbiter of his call and no eldership should ever feel like they have complete control over a man's call. It's, it's kind of a dance, you know, you know, an exercise where one party, the elders, come with a heart to serve, knowing that they can't see the whole future. God's not giving them insight into the whole future of any particular person. And then the other party, the guy, comes humbly knowing that his desires can obscure his self-assessment. Um, but actually, it's funny because I know a guy where the pastors, though, didn't see his calling, and he walked through a process with them, and they were unpersuaded about his calling. He was very humble, but he asked to be released in pursuit of his calling, um, and they released him and you know retained a relationship with him, and he planted a church and, and now leads this thriving, large gospel Center church in another city and has a great relationship with that church. They didn't send him, but they realized, oh man, we really blew it, and the elders humbled themselves in that case. Um, 
but you know, even in giving that illustration, here's here's what's important to know. That's the exception, not the rule. Um, what's far more common is for a guy to seize exclusive control over his call and shop it around to whatever church or denomination will supply him a platform and and a way forward. So, you know, in general and in a healthy church, I think the, the burden of proof is more on the man than on the elders to determine why he might be called despite the counsel of the elders, and that's all I got to say. Thanks, Dave. Excellent points. For more resources related to pastoral ministry, pastoral calling, how to explore those things, visit amicalled.com.